Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. William Nylander is a no-show this year. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. up everybody welcome to episode eight of the talking buds podcast a celebratory episode i'm rob he's ryan yes what is going on it is positivity time around this hockey team rob what is going on my brother how was your week well what's going on ryan is the leafs have won four of their last five games a clean since we last got together there's been a clean sweep of the california road trip followed by an incredibly entertaining come-from-behind win last night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. A very good team in the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, as I said earlier, no one can pull me off this wave that I'm riding. This team is atop of the Atlantic Division. This team is 15-6. and six. This team has 30 points. Ryan, I, I, I don't know what more there is to say. Yeah, they're on pace for their best season in franchise history right now, even better than last year's point totals. That was a big win against Columbus, man. Like they're such a tough team, skilled team. They're, they're really fast, just like the Leafs. And I was a little worried going in after the road trip that they were going to get dummied by a bigger hockey team, but they just brought it to them after the first period and they got a big win. And that's huge for them. These points matter now more like the points now matter the same as they do later in the season. So when they're racking up these wins right now, that is huge for positioning going into the playoffs. So we're 21 games in quarter of the way through the season. If I told you in episode one, that through the first 21 games, the Leafs would be without Austin Matthews. 15 wins, 6 losses, 30 points, atop the division. What would you have said to me at that time? I would have believed it. I honestly would have believed that. I don't. I think going into the season, I was kind of thinking that them, Boston, and, and Tampa were going to fight for that top spot. And I'm not really surprised. They have super amount of skill. Without Austin Matthews, I probably would have said they would have fallen off a little bit, not win a bunch of games in a row. But that just shows you how good of a hockey team is. They're they're better than anyone. They they could be as good as anyone in the league. Well, and they've had some things break their way in recent uh, days with Vasilevsky going down, 
with a broken foot for the Lightning. And then today you're finding out that Patrice Bergeron is going to be out for an extended period of time. An injury kind of similar to Matthews. They're saying he could be on the shelf for upwards of a month. So it is in the cards, Ryan. This team could pull away a little bit here and create some space and potentially be in a situation where they win the division, which is what we've said from day one needs to be the goal to avoid that first round matchup with either Tampa or Boston. Yeah, I think that's always your first goal this season is to win your division before you think about winning the Stanley Cup, even though that's the ultimate goal. But I'm sure when you're sitting down with your hockey club at the start of the season and winning a division is a goal that you should have. And I think they could attain that. And a team you got to look out for, though, is Buffalo. We we are all talking Tampa, Boston, but all of a sudden you look at, look down and the Sabres are right behind us. They are a super skilled hockey team as well. So that's another team that's thrown in the mix here that we probably weren't expecting. Well, they're only two points behind the Leafs at 28. The Leafs are sitting atop of the division with 30. Tampa's one point behind at 29. Then you got the Sabres at 28, the Habs at 26, and the Bruins at 25. That's pretty... Who saw that coming? Yes, but I think the Sabres, you know, you, you could you could see that they've made improvements, especially with the first overall pick coming into this season, getting Rasmus Dahlin, but they're a super skilled hockey team too. They could, they could put the puck in the net and they've rang off a couple wins in a row here. So they're a dangerous team that the Leafs got to look out for. And we said in another podcast that they don't particularly play well against the Sabres. So that's a matchup I'm really looking forward to later in the season. So we're on cloud nine. They've won four of five. Of the last four games, what are some observations that you've had, things that have stood out to you through the California road trip and then last night against Columbus? Three things stand out the most to me. Number one is Mitch Marner and John Tavares occupying the top line. So dynamic, so good. Maybe more than what we expected. I don't know what we were really expecting, but they're really good. Second, Frederick Anderson, or maybe Frederick Anderson first, if I'm yeah, ranking. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say, buddy, flip those around. Yeah, I wasn't really specifically going by rank, but if you were to rank them, then probably Anderson's first. And then third would be the depth. The depths look pretty good. We, we've complained about the depth. The fans have complained about the depth at times. And now all of a sudden their fourth line is going out there and have producing good shifts throughout a hockey game and chipped in on that road trip and chipped in against Columbus. So... Those are three things I'm looking at and what what's driving them to the success right now without Austin Matthews. Ryan, one thing for me over the last four games, I, I kind of I sat there last night and I had an epiphany. They come back, they get the big win, we're feeling good. And I just thought to myself, like, are we as Leaf fans, are we not living in the moment enough with this team? Like, are we not enjoying this season enough and just going along for the ride like do we spend too much time thinking slash worrying about Nylander Matthews and Marner and when they're going to be signed what they're going to be signed for and how Kyle Dubas is going to all make it work that we're not taking the proper amount of time to sit and go wow the Leafs are in like after the win against Anaheim on Friday last Friday night they were in first place in the NHL and it's like I feel like nobody's taking time to stop and think about that and enjoy it. Instead, we're all just thinking, oh, well, Marner's playing so well. They're going to have to pay him 10. How are they going to make that work when they have to pay Matthews 12? William Nylander still isn't signed. Is he going to sign? Like, I just feel like we spend too much time thinking about 
the external stuff, the off-ice stuff, and less time just enjoying what we see night in and night out on the ice. Where do you stand with that? It's hard when you, because every time you, you turn on a radio station, you turn on the TV, the sports networks that we watch, we want to digest as much content as possible, leave content, and usually what they're talking about are the contracts of these three hockey players. And even this podcast, you listen to this podcast, me and you have dissected the contracts quite a bit. It's hard to stay away from it. And in Toronto, front office issues is a hobby of ours. It Front office issues have been the forefront for, I can't even remember how long, but as long as I've been a Leaf fan. And instead of enjoying what's going on on the ice, we have to. We just, for some reason, we just have to sit and think about what's happening next season. This guy's contract, that guy's contract. I think it's 100% fair to say that we're, we are not enjoying the moment with this hockey team. We're too busy trying to come up with reasons of why they're not good enough or reasons they can't win or what's going to happen next season. But the fact of the matter is they're easily one of the best hockey teams in the league, top five hockey team. And going into this playoff, they have a chance to make some noise and I'm guilty of it as well. Like I should be focusing more on the ice, enjoying the moment, but instead it's impossible as fans and as super leaf fans, people who want to know everything about the team, have their opinions to stay away from the contract discussion. It's so hard. Like every time Mitch Marner goes out there and lights it up and makes a breathtaking play and takes control of the game and is so dynamic, I should be sitting there going, man, look at this guy. This guy's incredible. I can't believe that we get to watch this night in and night out. But instead, I just sit there sometimes and I think, oh, they're going to have to pay him nine. They're going to have to yeah, pay there's him another, Yeah, there's another million on, on the contract with that goal, especially right? after the, the effort he put in uh, setting up Tavares against Columbus. You're watching him being like, this guy's unbelievable. I know. Why do I have to sit here and worry about the salary cap? But a part of that isn't even in our control or in the Leafs' control. It's just the way... The NHL's run with a hard salary cap. Well, we've talked about it. We've talked about it. You've touched on it the last couple of weeks about how the Leafs are kind of on the bad side of the new NHL in the sense that Chicago and LA, they're trending downwards now because they've had to pony up the dough for Taves and Kane and Kopitar and Doughty. But the those guys won their cups before they got paid. And the Leafs, while I love this team and I love all the guys on it, haven't got out of the first round. And all these guys are going to get paid before they've even really done anything. We'll see what happens this year. We don't know what's going to happen this year. But, like, William Nylander, for instance, is looking to get paid 7 or $8 million for nothing. Like, and, and I don't mean to downplay what he's achieved in his years in his couple of years up here, but it's just like, he doesn't want a cup. They haven't gone deep in the playoffs. And so you're right when you talk about how it's unfortunate that the NHL has, it just keeps getting younger and younger and younger. And so you need to capitalize while all your guys are on their entry level contracts. And so thus the Leafs now are in a situation where it's unfortunate. They, they're going to have to pay these guys sort of up front, which you've touched on before. You look at the elite players of the past, and I'm not talking about like 20 years ago. I'm talking about the Sidney Crosby's and the Alexander Ovechkin's and Steven Stamkos. You look at their contracts. None of those guys are really in that. Oh, none of those guys are over $10 million. Sidney Crosby makes 8.7. Stamkos makes under 10. And 
the product of the league being so young is how important younger players are. Like you have to pay these guys because they understand now and their agents understand and their rep representation understands how important they are to a franchise and their success because of how important a rebuild is. Teams rebuild for that reason to load up on younger players. But since that has become such the norm in the league, when a guy on an entry level is up, he knows how important he is to that hockey team. So they're going, no, we're not going to take these bridge deals, these deals that get us to our unrestricted free agency. No, we're going to ask for the money now because we know how important we are to these hockey teams. And the Edmonton Oilers kind of went through it with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, but those are just two guys. The Leafs are in an unfortunate situation because they have multiple guys who are going to be demanding that. And we're going to find out in the next couple of years, if they, if a team could be successful with only a few players occupying your salary cap, because that's what's going to happen to this hockey team, whether we like it or not. Well, they're going to be sort of at the forefront in the sense that like, they're going to have to sort of set a new standard and build off what Chicago did for a few years there, which is you sign your core guys and then you leave it in the hands of your scouts to draft appropriately and also through free agency supplement the rest of the roster with quality third and fourth line guys on cheap deals. And that's the way that you're going to have to win in this league. Absolutely. That, that secondary depth has to come from your scouting department and the way you draft players. You need these younger guys on their entry level. It's not so much you need to capitalize while guys are on entry level. But we're to the point now where the important players are done entry level. So we're going to move into the next series of contracts. And the players that are on entry level have to be those secondary depth guys that can chip in while Matthews and Marner and Tavares are making all the cake. That's where they're at now. They got to hit on first round pick, second round pick. You look around the league. There's a lot of good guys picked later in the draft or later in the first round. And this is what you have to do. You have to hit on these guys now while these guys are making so much money on your salary cap. I'd like to point out that I started this topic of conversation off saying that sometimes I feel like we don't live in the moment enough and we spend too much time talking about contracts. And for the last five, 10 minutes, we've done nothing but talk about <laughs> contracts oh. and how we're going to make all the dollars fit. Oh my goodness. I honestly, I even forgot how we even got to this topic too. So even the, it just proves it right there, man. It's we're addicted to it. it. We're it's like nicotine for us. We can't get enough of it. No, it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. It dominates so much of my thinking, and it's like it's bothering me because I'm 30 years old. This is easily the best Leaf team that's ever existed in my lifetime, and I spend more time worrying about who's getting paid what than I do just going, man, my favorite hockey team, my favorite team in all of pro sports for that matter is a legitimate cup contender for the first time in a long time. And we need to spend more time focusing on that and less time worrying about dollars and let Kyle Dubas and Lawrence Gilman and Brandon Pridham worry about the dollars. I just don't think it's Toronto though. Like I feel like every other large hockey market is kind of the same. I know in Carolina, there's not a lot of fans sitting around dissecting the salary cap, but I'm sure in Edmonton and Boston and New York and Montreal and all the other Canadian markets, they probably kind of do the same thing we're doing. And we can't just accept the success. We have to dig and look for reasons why 
it's not going to work or why we're not going to win instead of just focusing on what this team does, what they have to do to win a Stanley Cup this season and just enjoying that. We can't do it. It's just I I I, I can't do it. I'm sitting we've talked about it. Like I, I can't do it. It's hard. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the show. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talking Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and tune in, spread the word, tell your friends. We really appreciate all the support. Thanks. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. All right, Rye, I think we've talked enough about contracts and dollars and all that sort of stuff. We are officially a quarter of the way through the season. Let's reflect on the last few weeks and what we've seen. You know, you go back and you listen to the shows that we've done, and one guy that I think we haven't spent enough time talking about, shockingly, is John Tavares. He has been... Everything you could have hoped he'd be and more. Especially production-wise. Oh, and just just like everything he does. His, the way he's a leader off the ice, on the ice. The way he has 200-foot game. You saw the back check on overtime when they were in Anaheim, which led to the Marner passing it to Riley for the OT goal. Like you, The way he gets the puck down low in the offensive zone and generates a cycle something that this team has struggled with with their offense in the last few years is having sustained pressure. I just, you know, the Leafs, I'm going to I'm gonna bring up the dreaded cap again. The Leafs really complicated things with their three guys, Nylander, Matthews, and Marner, when they signed Tavares for $11 million. But John Tavares is worth every cent of that $11 million the Leafs are paying him. Yeah, you add another elite center to your hockey team and you look at the teams that have won the cup in the past, they usually have a really elite first line center. Some of them have a really elite second line center like Crosby and Malkin. And that's the formula for success, not just having one guy, but having a one-two punch. And you see it now with Matthews being out. Imagine Matthews out and no Tavares. I know Matthews was out a little bit last year and they survived with Bozak and Kadri, but you're really seeing what they can do with Matthews out. They still have John Tavares, and he's pushing the team with Marner. And they can still win a bunch of hockey games. See, Austin Matthews was just not on this roster in general. This team could still win a lot of hockey games with just John Tavares and Nazem Kadri as their one-two punch. If I told you when they signed him that through 21 games, he'd have 13 goals, 12 assists for a total of 25 points and be a plus nine, you'd have, you'd have, you'd have jumped for joy. Yeah, I would have taken that, and I would probably would have expected something like that. This is a guy who gets a lot of points every year. He's never led the league in points. He's never eclipsed 90, but he's a guy you know who's you can count on for almost a point-a-game hockey player. And then you put him on a line with Mitchie Marner? Yeah, I, I, I would expect that, and I'm happy that he's proven worth the contract, even though we're not trying to bring up the cap again, but he's definitely worth it. I would say coming in, If you were expecting John Tavares to be a guy 
who just kind of dominates all over the ice, always holding on to the puck, and you you notice him a ton. I feel like you'd be a little disappointed, but he does everything he does super well. He does at an elite level, like being strong on his stick in his end below the goal line and in the ozone below the goal line, being able to put pucks in close. He's a super elite hockey player for what he does, not to mention uh, a top center who can win as many draws as he can. I, I just, I love this guy. I feel like we haven't talked about him because Mitch Marner is kind of the driver of the hockey team as much as I love Johnny T. I feel like Marner's kind of dominated most of the conversation with that being also his contract coming up. So obviously that kind of plays a factor. But you, you know who also loves John Tavares? Mike Babcock. He's a good pro who does it the right way every single day. And he really does, though. Like, yeah, yeah I don't, he does. I don't picture he does. this guy leaving the, the rank and texting his buddies, wondering if they're going to the, the dive bar in Toronto or one of the clubs. They're This guy's going home. I just picture him going home and just watching game film or shooting pucks in the garage, working on his... Yeah, yeah going into his garage and just Yeah, working up pucks. on that uptight finish above the goalie's shoulder, short side in his garage. You mentioned Mitch Marner and the pairing of him and Tavares Marner through 21 games, six goals, 22 assists, 28 points. Also a plus nine. He's the driver of this hockey team, man. I, I love Johnny T and I love everyone else who contributes a lot on this hockey team, Kadri Riley. But when it comes to just getting the team going, skating, working, s- scoring, I think it all Begins and ends with Mitch Marner. Are we at a point where we can say that Mitch Marner is a more valuable and important piece to the 2018-19 Toronto Maple Leafs than Austin Matthews is? Wow. Wow. You just... (laughs) That question, man. That Holy... I have no idea if I can even answer that right now. I think I'm not going to sit here and make any proclamations and say one is more valuable than the other. What I am going to say is if someone came to me and said that Marner is a more important piece, I think there's a valid argument to be made. You look at the last two seasons and how many games Matthews has missed with injury. And in that time, Marner, as you put it, has been the driving force of this team. This team would not be where they are right now if they didn't have Mitch Marner. No, no, you're right. So I honestly think if someone wanted to sit across the table from me and argue that Marner is a more important piece than Matthews, I would have a hard time arguing back. Like, obviously, there's reasons on the other side. Nobody loves Austin Matthews more than me. But uh, honestly, like... A night in and night out, Mitch Marner is taking control of hockey games. He he, When he gets the puck on his stick, he is electric. There is no more exciting, dynamic player in the blue and white than him. And I'm telling you, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Marner is the of the three, the big three kids. I don't think it's a stretch to say Marner is the most important one of the three, especially given the amount of games Matthews has missed over the last two years. As you're talking, you're kind of you're pushing me to, to one side, and then you say something else. You're pushing me to the other side. There's definitely arguments to be made on both sides. And you say how he's an electric hockey player, and he's just does so many things all over the ice. 
And I think him and Matthews are, are two different players, though. Like, I think shift in, shift out, I would lean towards Marner being more important and being valuable for driving a hockey team. But when you need that big goal at the end of the game or there's a big play to be made at the end of a game, I just, oh man, I can't even begin. Because I feel like right now it's just Marner because Austin Matthews is not around. But then Austin Matthews will come back. He'll play two weeks of unbelievable hockey. Then we'll come back on this podcast and be like, Remember when we said that Marner was more valuable than Matthews and because Austin Matthews is just going off? Well, that's, so I feel like this, to bring it full circle, that's why we should just be living in the moment and enjoying the fact that we have two of the best players in the league, three of the best players in the league on this team right now. Four, if you include Freddie Anderson. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll still go with Matthews as the most valuable player for this team because just the nature of his position, the center ice position, he's... His pedigree being the first overall pick, um, his potential of being the next captain of the hockey team. Uh, he's going to be making the most money out of anyone on the team after this season going into next season. I, I feel like I'll still go with Matthews, but there's definitely argue, arguments to be made for both sides, for both players, because they're both unbelievable. And I'm so happy that both of them are wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform. All right, I'm, I want to pose the question that after 21 games, who has like who has surprised you the most? And we'll get there eventually. But before we do that, if there's one more player who I think we need to absolutely glow about, and that is none other. And I've, we literally do this every week, but that's because he forces us to do it every week. And that's the goaltender, Frederick Anderson. This team... As much as we glow about the offensive talent and how they get they're getting depth scoring now and how great Morgan Riley has been and all that sort of stuff. Like last night against Columbus, he faces 39 shots. The other night against San Jose, he faced 45 shots. Right now he's boasting a 935 save percentage. This guy at this point in time is in the Vesna conversation and he is if the Maple Leafs are going to go deep in the playoffs, I'm going to be Captain Obvious here. If the Maple Leafs are going to go deep into the playoffs, it's going to be because Freddie Anderson takes them there. This team is a team, you've heard me say it week in and week out, that needs a big save. They get running around in their own zone. They play that run and gun style. They're an offensive, high power team. They need a big save to keep them in it and get them going the other way. And you've seen it night in and night out with Freddie. And you've seen it the last two seasons, but for some reason this season, it feels like he's elevated even more than he has in the past because those numbers are Vesna numbers right now. Like he is in the Vesna conversation right now. We're a quarter way through the season. I think it's fair to start. We, we love projecting awards. This guy is an MVP candidate. This guy's a Norris candidate. But the fact of the matter is this guy has legit stats to back up a Vesna conversation. And I feel like we always boast about him and we always talk about him because just how important a goalie is to a hockey team and a team's success. You look down at Edmonton, coach getting fired because their goalie can't stop a puck and hasn't been able to stop a puck for like two seasons now. And look at St. Louis, their team can't stop a puck. Coach gets fired. So it, I feel like we have to always talk about him because when he's playing this well and he's facing so many shots... And this hockey team plays a certain way. 
and we have to accept the way that they play because right now they're winning hockey games. We may not, it may not always be pretty or textbook or like the 95 devils in their own zone, but they're getting it done and they especially look better getting it done when their goalie is playing this well and is making this many saves and high quality saves throughout a hockey game. I like the way you worked in the Oilers firing their coach today. Yeah, and look at St. Louis too. Both perfect examples of hockey teams that cannot get a save. And when you have a bad goalie, you have a bad coach. And well, another the Oilers too are just they're just not a very good team. No, but they have the best hockey player in the world on that hockey team and that when you have that, it, it the pressure's on, man. And the Kings, John Steven gets fired. Jonathan Quick's been injured for two seasons now. They're down to their third goalie. Like, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to coach? I like to think of the Edmonton Oilers as the Green Bay Packers of the NHL. You have the best player in the league on your team, and you just can't surround him with a winning team and a winning culture. No, their their D is, is suspect. Their goaltending is brutal. Their depth scoring is usually not there on a night-to-night basis given that Todd McClellan played Connor McDavid for like 28 minutes a night. So I don't really understand how they're supposed to contribute when they're on the bench all game. But this goaltending conversation has never been more clear about how important it is to your hockey team looking at all these guys getting fired because their team can't make a save. All right, that's enough Oilers. The show is called Talking Buds, Ryan, not Talking Oilers. Yeah, but everyone loves to talk about it. Everyone kind of loves talking about the Oilers, kind of getting a dig on them. Most spoiled franchise in the history of the league. I, 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 I'll I get a dig on the Oilers when I can. 100%. 100% agree. If an Oilers fan listens to us right now, we are going to get blown up on social. Yeah, and they, they'll they'll bring up the last couple of years, but I don't care, man. You get Wayne Gretzky and Connor McDavid in the in the same franchise over how many years. I, I, I love taking a dig at the Oilers. All right, before we move on and do bumps and beauties and look ahead to the next week, I, I think... Let's go over the consensus, like the two most surprising guys this point in the season. Casperi Kapanen on offense and Morgan Riley on defense. Both guys going into the season, no idea they were going to perform the way they performed. Kapanen especially, like Riley always knew was the top. He's the best defenseman on the team. However, we didn't see him contributing offensively like he has so far. And Kapanen stepping in for William Nylander and doing a great job. Which one of those guys do you want to talk about first? Oh, man. I agree with those picks, first of all. Um, I'll go with Morgan Riley first. I think Morgan Riley is the most improved player on the team. And it's hard to say that because he's been their top defenseman for how many years now? And he's always been pretty good. But I just think this year he's just taken it to a whole nother level. He's kind of on the same thing as Frederick Anderson right now. He's always played pretty well, but just how he's impacting the game on a nightly basis is really impressive to me, especially offensively. Norris Trophy winners usually win based off point totals, and I understand that now watching Morgan Riley because he's almost contributing on one or two goals per hockey game, and it's just a huge step up of what he's done in the past and he he came out of junior being an offensive hockey player we didn't really see it right off the bat he took a while to develop into this guy but now that he's here and he's arrived still a young guy but I just think he looks like he's ready to put himself in that 
elite conversation. And I'll take the next one. Kasperi Kapanen has stepped in for William Nylander. Has been so impressive night in and night out. We've seen a level of skill to his game that we didn't get to see because he was playing a fourth line minutes in a fourth line role earlier. The guy has, he's easily the fastest skater on the team. Some of the bet his hands are super underrated the way he handles the puck. He's got a great shot. This guy has stepped in. It's so funny because he and Nylander are like really good friends off the ice. He has put the Leafs in a position where they can just look at, and we'll talk about Nylander later. I don't want to get into this now, but Kapanen's play has put the Leafs in a position where they can just say, all right, Willie, you don't want to sign? Have fun. Sit there. Because Kasperi Kapanen, night in and night out, has looked tremendous. And it, it's a league about speed, right? That's all we talk about. You turn on the broadcast. This is a speed league. You need guys who can skate fast. These are the two fastest skaters on the team we're talking about. Because I would put Morgan Riley up in a race against Kasperi Kapanen. I think they are the two best skaters on the hockey team. Mitch Marner is an unbelievable skater too. But I think just in a forward, dead straight race, these are the two guys I'd probably put up as the fastest guy on the team. And it's really showing. Both their speed is really showing. Kapanen, I'm just surprised how like dominant he can be in a game. Like He doesn't have like a super amount of points, but... Just in a hockey game, the ability of him just to break away from defenders and get those scoring chances, and he can finish. Like, like I said, he he's, got, he's got underrated hands, right? He he laid that beauty pass on the tape to Marner last night, which eventually set up the goal for Johnny T. Getting him back in exchange for Phil Kessel is looking better and better every day. Every single day. And it's big because with the Nylander discussion, we're talking about who, who we want in return. And for Kessel getting dealt, we actually got a guy in return. It took a while. But now that he's here, you're like, okay, this is great. This guy's almost, this guy is unbelievable. He chips in. He plays top six. He plays penalty kill. Seems like he has a good attitude, can finish, can shoot the puck. Shame on me. Shame on us. Shame on everyone who thought he didn't have the skill to do this because he's always been pegged as kind of a skilled hockey player, but it's just the engine he brings along with it that has been so impressive and how fast he is and how good he is at breaking away from guys. There's not a lot of guys who get as many breakaways as this guy does throughout a game or a season. All right, Rye. I think it's officially that time. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. That's exactly right. It is time for this week's edition of Bums and Beauties. This is the positivity hour of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we are going to start with who our beauties are this week. Ryan, I will let you go first. Yeah, positivity week. It was easy to think of players you could name as beauties this week. Uh, The bums were a little more difficult, but my beauty of the week is Travis Dermott. And he is my beauty of the week, not because of offensive statistics. It's just when you watch this guy play over a period of time, he just really impresses me 
offensively, defensively, physically. I think this guy's going to be a super hockey player for this team in the next couple of years. A guy who hasn't really hit that next level yet. So by the time his deal comes around, if we want to get into this whole salary cap thing, he probably will be affordable. And I just feel like you look at him, he's super strong in his own end. When's the last time you really watched a Leaf game over the past couple of weeks where you've been like, oh, Dermot, that was just brutal. Giving, doing, yeah, Jay Garner, at least three times a game, you're looking at Garner being like, oh, great. But I just think Dermot has improved so much. And I give him huge props for kind of breaking through Babcock's rookie glass ceiling because he could be in and out of the lineup right now with Marty Marincin. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I did feel like Dermot looked a little scared out there when he was playing. And the reason why he looked scared is because he doesn't want to end up in the press box because that's how Babs likes to treat the rookie players. Yeah, and that's why he's my beauty this week because I feel like he's kind of grown out of that a little bit. And No, he he looks great. He, night in and night out, he looks great. You're right. Very rarely do I watch and go, oh, God, Travis Dermott. Like, I never do Which that. Which is a good thing for defensemen. Even if you don't notice him for a night, that's a good thing because that means he's usually making the right pass. He has a great first pass out of his out of his zone. He's great at standing up guys on the blue line. He usually wins battles more than other Leaf defensemen. And it's going to be up to Mike Babcock to be in his coaching office and be like, maybe we'll try Dermot with Riley tonight. Or maybe we'll try Dermot with Zaitsev or Gardner tonight. But until that happens, I hope Travis Dermott just keeps doing what he's doing. I feel like he's kind of like Morgan Riley. There's more offensive skill that he's going to show us in the next couple of years. But for now, if you're just going to defend well, that's all we can ask. And Travis Dermott, you're my beauty of the week. You're a beauty. Ryan, I'm a big believer that if you're going to dog someone and chirp them, you got to be willing to give them their due and their props when they play well. So that's what I'm about to do with my selection. We've dogged this guy for a few weeks. Since the preseason, we've dogged this guy. And I thought since the New Jersey game just over a week ago, Tyler Ennis has really settled into his fourth line role. He's on that line with an anchor in Freddy the Goat. So he brings an element of speed. He got a beauty goal last night against Columbus. I feel like he's a guy who like he's he's had some he's had some trouble, right? Like he he understands where he's at in the sense of like I'm on a good team and I want to stay on this good team that could potentially go deep in the postseason. So I need to prove my worth as a skilled fourth line guy. And I think he's done that in the last week or so. And I think we need to give him his props. Again, that goal last night was beautiful. Tyler Ennis, you're my beauty of the week. Yeah, and CJ, Chris Johnson, wrote an article about him uh, last night or this morning talking about how big of a team guy he is this year and being a veteran now playing on such a good hockey team that guys are noticing in the dressing room the, the positivity he's bringing to the hockey team, how hard he works and how bad he wants this opportunity to prove that he can still play in the NHL. And I feel like him and Levo kind of have a nice little connection going right now. They they look good right now. All right, right. We've it's it's that time. It's time to be negative. My bum of the week, Jake Gardner. This guy. Every time he's out there, 
you don't know what he's going to do. He's either going to make a great skill play in the offensive zone, or he's going to make a boneheaded play and turn the puck over. You heard Kiprios in the intermission last night talking about how the Leafs are probably going to part ways with him at the end of the season because they don't want to pay him $7 million. I don't know why anyone would want to pay him $7 million. Obviously, there's going to be some dummy GM that's going to sign him to that figure. But to your point earlier about Travis Dermott, I see Dermott as the eventual replacement for Jake Gardner. I think he's been here long enough. We know what he is. He's not a $7 million a year player. I'm sorry. We'll keep him for the rest of this year. It's been a good run. It's time to move on from you, Jake. You're my bum of the week. Yeah, he's he took over the whipping boy mantle as soon as Dion got traded a couple years ago. He, he's been the whipping boy here for a while. Always been a super polarizing hockey player. Let's treat him as our own rental this year, uh, regardless of what he brings to the team. But Jake Garner makes at least a couple plays a game where you're just like, oh, Jakey, oh, boy. I thought you were getting better, but no, you're still brutal. And bum of the week for me is extremely tough. I had a hard time picking a, the bum of the week. I feel bad picking on him, but I'll go with Par Lindholm this time. I gave him his due a couple weeks ago because I liked what he did on the ice. I liked what he was contributing defensively in the face-off circle, but in a such a successful stretch of games, you look at guys who've contributed, guys who are stepping up, guys who are putting points on the board. Unfortunately, he's kind of been in the background, not getting a super amount of chances to the net. Uh, he's okay in the face-off dot, but I'm picking on him this week just because he's kind of been in the background compared to other guys. So unfortunately, Parland home, you're my bum of the week. Even though I think you're a very valuable fourth line center going in the future. Um, well, that's the thing, right? He's kind of playing out like he should be where the goat is. Yeah, he should be where the goat is. And when I watch Parland home play, I'm like, this guy's a fourth line center. That's what he is. He, he makes okay plays around the ice that you don't notice unless you're really paying attention. Uh, he's good on the draws. That's all you really can ask from your fourth line. He's out there on the penalty kill sometimes. So I'm just picking on him because he hasn't really showed up too much on the score sheet. And that's really what you're looking for in such a good stretch of games that you just have to look at something that is a little less than the others. And unfortunately, Parland home, you're, you're my bum of the week, man. Wednesday night, the Maple Leafs go into Carolina. I mean, the Carolina hurricanes are not very good. They're a team that's been... Like, they've been rumored to be in the Nylander sweepstakes should the Leafs decide to go that route of trading him. Um, Friday night, they're in Columbus. So, playing Columbus twice in one week. Yeah, that that thanks NHL schedule. We haven't played the Sabres, the Lightning, uh, the Panthers yet. But, yeah, we're just running through all these other teams. Yeah, two against Dallas. And now we're just going to get two against Columbus right now. Great. Thank, thanks, NHL. Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada. Gritty and the Philadelphia Flyers come to town. I mean, Philly's a team that they're kind of the same as they are every year. They're just like... Yeah, weird hockey team, man. Weird, weird hockey team. Never takes any steps. Always has top point getters. In the playoffs one year, out of the playoffs the other year. They're a weird hockey team. That market is where goalies go to die. Yeah, another... another Exactly, there you go. There's another hockey team that can never get a save and haven't gotten a save in... Two decades. And look where they think I went to the cup final uh, like eight years ago or whatever. But another team that can't get a save. Monday night. 
we will be coming at you again with episode 9 Monday night after the Boston Bruins come to Scotiabank Arena. Ryan, uh, the rematch. I'm looking for a bounce back effort from the Leafs in this game. The Bruins are ravaged with injuries right now. So this is the time where you need to beat up on them and take your two points that'll come in valuable down the road. We'll see how good the Bruins are, though. We always talk about Matthews being out and how that affects the Leafs. They got Bergeron out now, and the Leafs are still winning games without Matthews, so we'll really see how good the Bruins are uh, without Bergeron on Monday night. And I'm excited to, to hop on and talk about it after that one because I'm sure the emotions will be running high uh, one way or the other. All right. We've decided that we are going to put totally unqualified takes on hold for a bit and keep rolling with the same one we've had for a few weeks now, which is what is William Nylander going to do? Or what are William Nylander and his dad going to do come December 1st? I still say that he blinks and ends up signing the contract because it would be absolutely foolish to sit out an entire year. There's no benefit for him sitting out an entire year. You say he is going to sit out the entire year. Yeah, honestly, I can't believe we're still talking about this. I almost forgot that he even existed until you just brought him up right now, even though I brought him up earlier. But I'm just, even if you, I, I almost don't want him to come back at this point. It's like, I hate you. Like, I almost hate you now, man. Like, you're so annoying. You in your contract negotiation is so annoying. The hockey and your player. your dad. Yeah, the hockey I player. I hate his dad. Yeah, the hockey player's got to stand up for himself. I get it. You want to make your money. But honestly, as a Leaf fan, I could care less about you now. Um, I always thought you were kind of suspect anyways. Super skilled player, but... To me, you're not a driver of a hockey team. If it made sense to trade you right now, I would ship you off if I was a general manager, but it doesn't. So you're going to sit out the rest of the year and have fun, dude. I hope you I uh, hope you work out every day and maybe get a job with another hockey team. It's such a bad look for him, man. Like, like we're not speculating here. Like, it's been widely reported that his father is heavily involved in the negotiation. And it's like, you, like you're letting, like, you're a professional hockey player and you're letting your daddy make your decisions for you. Like that's what makes me so mad is it's like, come on, man. Like, like, like enough is enough with this. Tell your dad to go away, mind his own business. Go worry about what Buffalo is going to pay your brother. Like I just, I, I can't, I can't with the Nylander father and son tandem anymore. There's no way a professional agent is advising him to sit out an entire season. Yeah, you you know my position on this. It's just, I don't care if it's your dad, the agent, it's you. You're all the same to me now. You're. I can't stand this. I, I'm so done with you. I hope you just get shipped out, but you can't. So you're, ugh, like just end it already. Just, just end it. And there's... There, like it's, it, there hasn't been any new developments, really. I mean, the CJ reported on Hockey Night in Canada this past Saturday that the Leafs are content with letting him sit. You have reporters in other markets like Larry Brooks in New York writing articles about what the New York Rangers should package to try and get him. I don't want it. Like I said last week, I don't want to spend too much time debating trading him. I don't think... If you're going to, if they end up, if they ultimately end up trading him, I think that's something you do in the summertime at the draft. I don't think you just ship him away this year and get whatever you can. I don't think that's smart. This team has proven that they don't necessarily need him to win. So I just, 
Yeah, like, uh, uh, let's, let's like, so for totally unqualified take, we're going to keep rolling with the Kneelander thing until it eventually sorts itself out. Yeah, they have to, well, they have to be content letting them sit out the year because they have no other choice at this point. They can't get a deal done. They can't sign him. So what's the only choice we have? Having him sit at home. So we got to be okay with it. That's why they're content with it. And that will conclude episode eight of the Talking Buds podcast. Positivity at its finest today, my brother. Thank you, everyone, for downloading. We will see you this coming Monday after the Boston game. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundal wherever you get your podcasts.